God's Word with you. And if you have your Bible, let's take them over to 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2. I heard about a, a pastor that got called to a prison. He got called to the prison. As he was there, he, he heard the inmates call out numbers. One inmate said, Page 55. And the whole, the whole prison cell began to just burst out in laughter. And, and the pastor kind of thought, that's kind of strange. Like, you know, what's going on? Another inmate uh, called out, uh, page 105. Everyone began to just cry out and just laugh, you know, hysterically. And eventually the pastor uh, went to the warden and said, sir, I just got to know. Um, what's up with them calling out these page numbers? The warden said, well, preacher, we only have one joke book here at the prison. And uh, the inmates have read it so much that they don't even tell the joke. They just say the page number. And the pastor's like, really? The warden's like, exactly, just the page number. Well, well, how many pages are there? Well, there's exactly 110 pages. And they walked a little bit further, and another inmate cried out, page two. Everyone laughed, and another inmate cried out, page four. Uh, other inmates began to laugh, and the pastor's like, man, I kind of want to give that a shot. He goes, Warden, is it okay if I can, you know, uh, say a number? Warren's like, well, you already know, 110 pages, give it a shot. That pastor thought, and he thought, he said, I got it. <clears throat> Page 10, crickets. The, game, the warden looked at the, uh, the preacher and said, well, try it one more time, try it one more time. Uh, the preacher kind of got straight, and he, he kind of you know, uh, uh, rolled his shoulders back and said, Page 10, silence. They walked a little bit for, further, and the, the warden said, well... Some people can tell a joke and some can't. And, and so I, I hope that today's message won't fall on deaf ears. This is something that I felt, I felt led to the Lord to preach today, especially after this morning's message. You know, there's people who are walking in darkness. And our, our responsibility, our mission, is to share the light of the gospel, to share a testimony that God's given us. Notice here, Second Peter chapter number 2, Notice verse number 15 and 16. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. I want to talk to you today on this simple subject the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, once again we come before Your holy throne. And God, I pray that today, Lord, in these moments, You would speak with us. Lord, that we would learn from this prophet Balaam. Lord, not to be a stumbling block. But God, more importantly, we would learn from that young man Phineas who did something. When his world seemed like it was crashing around him, friends and family members were dying. He saw the need and he took the lead. Lord, I pray that you would bless this message. Hide me behind your cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray for those who are watching via live stream, Lord, that you would just meet with them and that God, when it's all said and done, 
our lives would never be the same because of the message of your word. In your precious and holy name, amen. Now for us to understand 2 Peter chapter number 2, we have to go back to Numbers chapter 22. And when you get to Numbers chapter 22, what you find out is that the children of Israel are experiencing victory after victory after victory. And I kind of think about what Moses told the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them again no more forever. And I love this verse, for the Lord shall fight for you. You know, God's fighting for us. We might not see it now, we might not see it tomorrow, but God is fighting for you. And that's what God was doing for the children of Israel. Victory after victory after victory, He was going before them and fighting their battles for them. And can I tell you how we can win our battles? By fighting them on our knees. That's how we're going to get victory. And that's how we're going to see people get saved. By just getting on our knees, going before God, saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I know you know what to do. Well, they were seeing victory. And as you begin to read in chapter 22, you notice that the people of Moab begin to freak out and they begin to get scared and they realize, wait a minute, we're in the path of the Israelites and they're coming our way. So as you go down to verses 3 and 4, you find out that they go to a man named uh, Balak and they tell Balak, hey, what are we going to do? Because the children of Israel, they're going to lick us up like a cow is eating the grass. I mean, we're nothing compared to them. They've gotten victory after victory after victory. What are we going to do? And what you find out is that Balak in verses 5 down to verse 6 says, I know what we're going to do. We're going to get a prophet here in the land by the name of Balaam. Balaam was known for, for really two things. He was known for blessing people, and he was known for cursing people. Matter of fact, it kind of went around that whom he blessed, they got blessed, and whom he cursed, they got cursed. And so Balak thought, well, I'm not just going to go to Balaam and and tell him, hey, I need your help, I'm going to give him some money. So he got some really important people, the Bible says, and these really important people go up to Balaam, and if you can kind of imagine with me the scene, Balaam wakes up, He's getting ready. All of a sudden, he sees the royal chariots make their way. All of a sudden, he sees some men who, whose clothes aren't like you know ordinary clothes. They're royal clothes with royal attire. They, they don't have the, the smut of the road on their face or the dirt of the road on their face. They are people with wealth and power. And they come out, and the Bible says in verse 7 that they brought rewards of divination, meaning they brought money. And they go up to Balaam and they go, hey, Balaam, all this money can be yours if you go and curse the children of Israel. Hey, Balaam, here's the money. It's all yours. Just go and curse the children of Israel. And pastor, I love what Balaam's response is. Let me talk to God. Let me see if this is what God wants me to do. You guys can see it there. Notice verse number 8. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you the word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And Balaam goes to God and says, Hey God, uh, some men from Moab came, and they're, they're asking me to go and, and to curse the children of Israel. They're even giving me some money, God. Uh, what do you want me to do? You know, I see that, Pastor, and I think there's hope for Balaam. Man, he's going to God. God, what do you want me to do? And you know what God's answer is? No. 
You can't curse someone I've already blessed. I love that in the Bible. You can't curse them. I've already blessed them. And, and that next morning, I can see Balaam get up. I can see him walk by that chest where all that money is and go, sorry guys, God said no. God said no. And so as you begin to read in chapter 22, the men of Moab go up to King Balak and I can see King Balak thinking, alright, I can wait for Balaam to get here. And Where's Balaam? He said no. He said no. He said no. Well, this is what I'll do. I'm going to send even more money and I'm even going to send men of more and more reputation. You notice it here. Notice uh, verse number... Uh, I lost my spot here. Uh, verse number 10. And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt and the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Verse number 15. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto a very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. So now, here's the money. Here's the power. Here's the position. Hey, Balaam, just curse them. Just curse them. Here's the money. Here's the power. Here's the position. Just curse them. Nothing should be able to stop you. But you know what Balaam says? Let me talk to God. Now, when I read that, Pastor, I thought, all right, he's going to God. He's on team God, but you've got to read it carefully. You know what he was doing? He was entertaining sin. Because he told him, wait here. He already knew God's answer. Hey church, God's answer was still no. God had not changed his mind. Balaam knew God had not changed his mind. But he was going to entertain that sin. And imagine again with me the second time Balaam goes to God. Like a little kid probably. Uh, hey God, you remember when you said no? Well, they're back again, and they brought money, and they brought power, and they brought a position, and I, I think, you know, you're kind of beating around the bush. Can I go? Pretty, pretty please. And if you read it closely, God does say yes, but it's a test. It's a test. You see that verse number 20. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If men come to call thee, rise up, go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that, that, excuse me, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes. Verse 22, listen closely. And God's anger was kindled because he went. See, God was testing Balaam. God already told Balaam, the answer is no. Balaam knew the answer was no. But Balaam said, I'm going to do what I want to do. Hey, church family, don't be that Balaam. 
Do what God wants you to do. I love what pastor said this morning. Let's conform our will to the will of God. Not my will, but thy will be done. And God's will is going to lead you sometimes to some scary places. But the safest place is in the will of God. Sometimes you're going to be in places where you're going to look at the future, look at the finances and not know. But in God's will, it is the safest place. Balaam looked at the money, looked at the power, looked at the position, looked at the prestige. But he got his eyes off God. And he goes. Now, when I get to heaven, this is where I want to wish that there's a big old theater screen. Because this is one of my favorite stories. Because Balaam gets on his donkey. And as he gets on his donkey, he begins to ride off. And remember, God's angry. Uh, Balaam disobeyed God. And Balaam's riding off. And the Bible says that the donkey sees the angel of the Lord. And that donkey starts to freak out and he goes off in the field. Notice here, verse number uh, 23. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Hey, again, let's have our imagination because when I read this, I just have my imagination go wild. Here's Balaam on his donkey. Man, I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get some power. I'm going to get some position. Man, I'm going to get it all. All of a sudden, here's the donkey. Wait a minute. What's that? That's an angel of the Lord with the sword drawn, ready to strike down. I'm going to save my master's life. And so that donkey goes out of the way. Notice what Balaam does. Verse 24. Or what happens? But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyard, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And, and the ass saw the angel of the Lord and she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. Again, they move a little bit further and the donkey sees the angel of the Lord, the sword drawn, ready to smite. And the donkey goes, I'm going to save my master's life and runs Balaam into the side of the wall. Balaam gets off and he begins beating the donkey. He gets back on. He goes a little bit further. Verse 27. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass that she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Now at that point, that's why I pull out my phone and go, YouTube, Facebook, America's Got Talent. You know, that's when I think money. But Balaam doesn't even, I mean, that's the miracle. Balaam doesn't even blink an eye. Notice Balaam's response, verse 29. And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there be a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. It was like nothing. And now they're holding this conversation. Verse 30, the, the donkey speaking, Am not thine upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was upon, uh, excuse me, I was thine unto this day. Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, nay. Verse 31 is the key. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. 
And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thou wast perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. You know what the angel was saying? That donkey saved your life. That donkey had more spiritual perception than you did. Hey, Balaam, you had your eyes on the money. You had your eyes on the position. But that donkey had its eyes on the Creator. Notice verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I know not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, No, no, go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And as you begin to get to the end of chapter 22, Balaam kind of has this, uh, this new mission, this new purpose. He's back on team God again. And he goes to Balak and he tells Balak in chapter 23 and in chapter 24, hey, listen, Balak, you can give me the money. You can give me the power. You can give me it all, but I can't curse them because God's already blessed them. And Balak goes, well, let's go over here. And you, you kind of go to God again, and, and I'll give you even more money as you get to the end of chapter 23. And Balaam goes to God, and the answer's still the same. You can't curse them because I've already blessed them. And so as you get to the end of chapter 24, you see Balaam go this way, and Balak go this way. And you kind of have this impression that Balak's like, that's what my money got me? I just got a flop. But you know, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Matter of fact, let's go over to Revelation, over to the book of Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2 brings it all together. See, this message has a long runway, but we're only in the air for a few minutes. In chapter 2 of verse 14, notice what Jesus says. But I have a few things against thee, because... Thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat the things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Now you might be in your room and you're listening to this going, I, I don't get it. I didn't read that in chapter 22, chapter 23, chapter 24, and I didn't read that in chapter 25. Well, let's go back to chapter 25 of Numbers. After Balaam and Balak have this big ordeal, what we have from Revelation is that Balaam goes to Balak and goes, listen, I can't curse him, but I can give you a loophole. I can give you the stick to stumble them up, to trip them up. This is what you need to do, Balak. Get your prettiest women. Not the ones that have a great personality. No, no. Now, this is this is this one's in between the lines there. Okay, so if you're looking, you gotta read in between the lines. But you gotta get your your be most beautiful and prettiest women. And what you need to do is you need to send them over to the men of Israel. That's how you're gonna get them. So in chapter 25, you see that the women make their way down to the men, and they begin to made up or partner up 
with these men of Israel. And God looks down and God, He starts to get angry. Because now, notice verse number 1, And the Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Belpar. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun. And the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his man that were joined unto Belpar. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust of them through the man of Israel and the woman and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. Here it is. We're coming to an end now. We see a man named Phineas. We see this plague begin to take place. We see people begin to die. And we see here at the door of the tabernacle, point number one, Phineas, he was at the prayer meeting. Hey, my friends, you know where you need to be? You need to be in your prayer closet. You need to be praying. You know, it breaks my heart what's happened in America with the civil unrest, with everything that's going on. And I, I think to myself, what we need is God and God alone. What we need is Christians to just get to their prayer closets and not leave till God speaks to them. Hey, we've talked about it. We've gossiped about it. We post about it. But have we prayed about it? God says, call unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. Hey, call unto me and I will answer thee. Hey, we just got to call upon God. Hey, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of peace of God shall pass all understanding we just got to pray I love that song sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer have we prayed have we prayed here was Phineas he was at the prayer meeting here was Phineas I don't know what to do but I know I can pray about it that's what we can do we can pray about it we can pray about it not only did he pray about it but notice this secondly he saw the problem. Imagine again with me the sight. Here's people at the door of the tabernacle. They're crying, Pastor. They're, they're weeping. They're, they're calling unto God. Like, God, we, we need something to happen here. And in the middle of it, a man grabs a Moabitess woman, pushing it in their face. Look what I'm about to do. And goes right in front of them. And there's Phineas. Hey, hey, Dad. Dad, Dad, what, what's going on? Oh, son. Eliezer speaking. We're seeing the judgment of God. Because we've turned our back on Him. But Dad, Dad we're, we're praying. Yes, son, I know we're praying. But we've got to do a little bit more than just pray. Dad, 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 what's going on there? Oh, son, we're turning our back on God as we speak. Oh, God, we need something. And God's saying, I want to use you. 
See, Phineas was at the prayer meeting. Phineas saw the problem. But notice this thirdly. He did something about it. He looks around and goes, well, if no one else is going to do something, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. And so he goes, and I can see him grab a javelin, and I can see him go there into that tent, and there's the man, there's the woman, and he thrusts them through and through. This is the first uh, 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 shish kebab in the Bible, by the way. And so he thrusts them through and through, and all of a sudden the plague, the Bible says, stops. It's calm. Why? Because one man did something. My friends, can I tell you, that's all it needs. That's all it takes is just one man, one woman who say, I'll do something. I'll do something. I'll pass out that track. I'll pray for that person at your workplace. Hey, be that witness. It just takes one person. It takes one church. It takes one church. Imagine all that God was able to do with Paul. He was just one man. But he said, I'll do something. I'll do something. In our church on Sunday mornings, uh, for the past uh, several weeks, we've been going through the life of David. You know, David is a great man. But I couldn't preach about David without talking about Samuel. There was Samuel, a young kid, in a, t in a tabernacle or temple that had some pretty wicked people. All of a sudden, Samuel hears God's voice. He says, speak, Lord. Your servant heareth. I can't preach this message without thinking about a man named Isaiah who lived during a wicked time. And as he saw everything that was happening, as he saw someone that was close to him, the king of Israel, pass away in a time of mourning and grief, God spoke to him and he said, here am I, Lord. Here am I. I think about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who when looked around at everything that was happening and said, I'm done. I won't make, make mention any more of his name. Yet his words were in my bones as a fire. Hey God, I'll do something. I think about Peter. Peter was a person I call pastor, uh, always had the foot in the mouth. Perpetually. Hey Jesus, I'll do something. Peter messes up and God still used him. Hey my friends, we don't know a lot about Phineas. But what we do know was, is this. He was a person who prayed. He was a person who saw the problem. And he was a young man who said, I'm going to do something about it. I had an opportunity to preach at a, a funeral. The funeral was from one of our church members who passed away with the coronavirus. And as we were there, as I was making my way to that funeral, I was, I was listening to a message. As I was kind of getting my heart ready, as I was thinking about the heartache that they were going through and, and, and the words that I desperately needed God to give me, the preacher said this, we ask God to bless us, but really what we should be asking is, God, make me a blessing. When I went to that funeral, and I saw Gigi, her husband Elver, and Leslie, their son Elver, little Valerie. As I saw the immediate kins, Freddie and Judy and Ellie. God, I'm not a lot. God, I'm just a 28-year-old. 
But here's a family who just lost their patriarch. Someone that they all looked up to. Someone that they were close to. God, use me. Let me be a Phineas. My friends, we see a man named Balaam out for, my, out for me. We see a man named Phineas. I'm out for others. I'm here to be a blessing. I'm here to help. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? A man who has a doctrine of stumbling or a man who we know as stopping a plague. Dear Lord Jesus, once again we come before you. Lord, I pray for those who are listening and watching. God, I pray that we would be a people like Phineas. Lord, who during this time of a pandemic, a crisis, Lord, we would be praying. And Lord, pray like our lives depend upon it. Lord, that would be like Phineas, Lord, and would see the problem, and not just see the problem, do something about it. God, the plague stopped because of one man. God, revival can happen because of one Christian. Lord, it just takes one. Lord, bless this message. In your name, amen. Now I thank the Lord for a message like that. God is looking for that one person who will do something to stay the hand of God. And perhaps that person tonight that God is speaking to is you. Submit yourself to that purpose and stand in the gap for those that are in distress who are caught up in the sway of Satan. Be used of the Lord to be that one person. I want to at this time just talk to those that may be watching us that in your heart of hearts you're not even really certain that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven to be with the Lord. And if that's you, I want you to listen very carefully for a few moments. You see, that which is the power of God into salvation is called the gospel. That means good news. The good news is that Jesus loves you. And He wants to spend forever in heaven with you. But along with that gospel good news is a little bit of bad news, and that is that we've got to come to the place where we agree with what God says about us, and that is that we're sinners. That we've sinned against the Lord, and our sin has separated us from a holy God. And some people say, well, I'd like to clean up my act. The problem is we cannot erase the stain of sin's past. And we cannot change who we are inherently for we have been born into sin because of the curse that came upon mankind when Adam fell so many years ago. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Those wages are the payment for sin in a place called hell. The great news is that although that is what we deserve God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus loved you and me so much that He paid sin's penalty when He went to the cross of Calvary for you and for me. And now, 
based upon the fact that He has paid the price for your sin in full, He offers you forgiveness and a home forever with Him in heaven as a free gift if you will simply believe Him and receive that what He has promised, He will give. That is the gift of eternal life through the forgiveness of sin purchased with blood. It's available to you tonight. If you're willing to take God at His Word, understanding that it is the only hope that we have of heaven, believing that you're a sinner deserving of hell, knowing that Jesus loved you so much that He died in your place to forgive you of sin and offer you that home in heaven as a free gift to whosoever will receive it. If tonight it's your desire to receive the forgiveness of sins and know that you have an eternity in heaven that is secured by God, then if you would just simply in your heart believe what God said, that Jesus took your place when He died on the cross, He was buried and He rose again after three days in the grave to offer you new life as a gift. If you believe that, He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone that would ask the Lord for that salvation, that gift, He's promised He would give it. If you believe that tonight, I want to just pray a, a short prayer with you. And my prayer will never save you, but the prayer of your heart, if these words reflect the cry of your heart, I would invite you to pray them along with me. Make it your own prayer to God. And He has promised that if you would, that you would be saved. Even as I pray now, wherever you find yourself, if you desire to know that your sins are forgiven, that heaven is your home, I invite you to pray along with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I realize that I cannot save myself. Lord God, I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with God. I believe that Jesus loved me and He died on the cross for me. That He was buried and He rose again to offer me new life in heaven with Him forever through the forgiveness of sin. Lord God, thank You for saving me. Enable me now to live for Thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer with me, on the authority of God's Word, you are saved. If you died tonight, on the authority of God's Word, you'd go to heaven to be with the Lord. We want to help you. We want to send you some information. And so, if you prayed that prayer tonight, go to our website, freewaybaptist.org, and send us a note. Call us on the phone. We would love to hear from you. We want to send you a Bible and give you some information that will help you in your newfound faith in Jesus Christ.